0: Hey, everybody. This is Mike here, and you're listening to the Conquering Columbus podcast, the only podcast that brings you all of the incredible stories of the leaders here in Columbus and sometimes throughout Ohio who are doing some pretty incredible things, whether that's in business, science, athletics, or everything else that's going on in life. So just me today on the introduction, you know, you might be missing Josh and Tim, but our guest on the show is Tom Burton. He is the CEO and founder of GripMat, and he was actually on Shark Tank. And when we were doing the interview, he was, uh, he was currently in Hawaii, where he just decided to fly out to right when the pandemic started to you know, spend some time out there working. And he's been out there ever since. Tom's a really, really fun guy. He's clearly got a big vision for his product and he's doing a lot of incredible things. So we really enjoyed the conversation with Tom and uh, hope you will as well. Actually, one, one story that was really, really interesting was uh, he, he spent some time visiting Brazil and there he met a guy named Diogo. And Diogo currently spends a lot of time working with children in the favelas trying to keep them off the streets provide them clothing provide them a lot of different uh, necessities throughout the day so tom you know after meeting diogo started a fund the favela fighters fund it's a GoFundMe. you can find that link in the show notes if you want to help support that cause we'd really appreciate it and i think tom would as well we know that diogo especially would appreciate it so go check out that fund hope you enjoyed this episode we'll be right back
1: this is conquering columbus their conquerors, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace
0: this comfort. I love how you said that, live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believe in our people. Pelotonia
1: CEO, Doug Oldman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in columbus and that's awesome at the same time there's this beautiful midwest humility people don't necessarily care about who gets credit cameron mitchell of cameron mitchell restaurants
0: one of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday
2: and better tomorrow than we are today and that goal stays the same 24 7 365
0: this is conquering columbus Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Mike. We've got Josh and Tim here in the booth as well. What's going on, guys?
2: Hello, hello dude. It's pouring down rain in Columbus, Ohio. Our guest is uh, obviously having a, a much worse time than us in Hawaii. So, you know, <laughs> my day was good until I jumped on the Zoom call, I think.
3: I just realized that he's in Hawaii. I had no idea. Yeah. Now I'm bummed.
2: Yeah, he's looking very warm. You can and tell by the trees if you knew your agriculture.
3: <laughs> I uh, was not paying attention. I didn't even have my video on. It's like I've never been doing this for a year and a half. I think <laughs> yeah. I'd be good so, at Zoom by now.
2: This is Tim's first Zoom call. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, we're all on Zoom, and uh, our guest today is in Hawaii, as as said. So let's let's tell everybody who it is. We've got uh, Tom Burton joining with us, and Tom is a former Air Force mechanic and turned entrepreneur. After encountering a problem at his job, there wasn't a good way to hold tools, especially when working on aircraft with a lot of different angles you might have to position yourself on. So he invented Grip Mat, a heat-resistant gripping tool mat that can hold tools at angles of up to 70 degrees. And he took his idea to Shark Tank, where he was able to close the deal with not just one, but three sharks to take GripMat to new heights. We're excited to have Tom on today to learn more about his story and how Grip came to be. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Tom.
1: Hey, what's up, squad? Thank you so much for having me on here. Yeah, it's exciting to have you. You look warm. <laughs> yeah, it is warm out here. I'm here in Hawaii. I'll do a quick
0: pan of my view right now. Oh, man. Okay. You, it's a good thing our guests can't see this view. Yeah. Our listeners, sorry. <laughs> they can't see what's happening. Yeah, here, but. it's
1: it's horrible. I honestly, I feel good whenever someone from Ohio tells me it's like raining or snowing. Uh, I'm like, thank God. What what, <laughs> what brings you to
3: Hawaii other than that view that you just showed us?
1: So if you guys remember over a year ago, there was a day where they're like, after nine o'clock at this time, you cannot go to a restaurant. And everyone's like, I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> I looked at my mom and I said, I think I'm going to fly to Hawaii. And uh, I texted everyone on the GritMet team. I said, who wants to go to Hawaii? And only our videographer got back to me and everyone else was like, no, nah, too, too risky. So I called him at like 11 o'clock at night and said, hey, if we go, we got to leave like now. And we got off the phone at 1 a.m. and we were headed to the airport at 7 a.m. And then we've, I've been here for over a year now. Oh, wow. Jeez <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. I read this book called um, Kyle Cease, Illusion of Money. And at the end of each chapter, it gives you a to-do Last chapter, it gives you, it says, do something for 24 hours you always wish you, you could do. And um, I was like, I do everything I want to anyway. Like, what? I, I don't need to do this. And um, it's like, anyway, my, my weekend's packed full of like, you know, I was like flying somewhere to, for a speaking event and um, COVID wiped everything out. I had mm-hmm. every reason for the entire weekend to do this 24 hour thing. I didn't do it. And uh, I saw, I looked on Instagram, someone Went, was in Hawaii. And then that's when I was at dinner with my, with my family. I just like, to mom, like, I'm going to Hawaii. And she's just like, yeah, sure. And I, I say weird shit like that all the time mm-hmm. and do like <laughs> half of it. So she's just like, I don't know if he's going to do it or not. <laughs> yeah, And here we are. So
3: I, My mom yeah. has the same relationship with me. She doesn't know if I'm serious or not. We were on a cruise and we were in Belize and I, met, I found this restaurant and I told her, I was like, yeah, so I'm just not going to, I'm just going to stay here. And she was like, <laughs> Half knows I'm joking, but like half of it is like, but he could be serious and you can see the anxiety in her. She's like, but you're going to be at the boat at five, right? And I'm like, I don't know. I might just stay. I like, it's fun to meet people that, that, uh, that will do something similar and just move to Hawaii on a whim yeah.
1: for over a year.
2: So when you show up, I mean, how do you, how do you even get acclimated? Do you already have an Airbnb arranged? Did you figure out logistics or did you just start uh, hitting the ground running?
1: So I booked an Airbnb for two days. It was a <laughs> studio and Alex and I were sleeping in the same bed. And, um, it was funny cause I, I normally wake up really early and, um, it's like one in the morning, I'm like packing my shit. My roommate's like, he he was a an night owl and he's like, he's like, where, where are you going? I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm leaving. He's like, where I go Hawaii? It's like, seriously? I'm like, yeah. He goes, when did you plan this? I'm like, just now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm like, dude, I'm not getting, I'm not quarantining here. Right. I'm like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah. So, what did you catch like, um, the last flight to Honolulu? Well, it was Kauai. The funny part was my friend that was in Hawaii, mm-hmm. I for some reason thought she was in Kauai and she wasn't, she was in Oahu. She's on a completely different island. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I'm headed to Kauai. Let me know, like, let's meet up. And I didn't even like realize. It's, it's like saying, hey, I'm in Cincinnati. Like, mm-hmm. meet me in when you're in Columbus. And you're like, dude, this is like, <laughs> it's literally a flight over. So, um, I'm like, well, She's like, we're actually leaving. Everything's shutting down. We're afraid to be here. And I was like, well, I'm headed to Kauai. Like, come or leave. I don't care. I'm like, I'm I'm going there for me, not for you. So, yeah, we had a, a studio for two for two nights. And what happened was, had a layover in Colorado, and I was just hitting up all my friends, trying to get someone to come with us. My friend Marshall, who lives in Boulder, I was like, hey, we got a three-hour layover. If you could get on this plane and fly out with us, like, you could. I think you could make it. He, he's like. He's like, I've turned down four Hawaii trips and I'm like, I'm not, tri- I'm not passing this one down or I'm not turning this one down. And he, he's like, I can't make on, on this flight, but I'll be there first thing tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, so we stayed at the Airbnb for two nights. He got some, like a friend hooked him up with a two week stay around the corner. So we ended up staying. it was two bedrooms. So we stayed there and then he had a two week stay at like a timeshare. And then after that, Alex calls it house hacking. We just would, at this point, everything was completely like shut down. No one could rent Airbnb or VRBO. And we would just we would just DM everyone on, on those platforms and be like, hey, is there any way we can get bulk rentals? And we would, like the last place we were staying at was $900 a night, it was a five bedroom and we were getting it for 3,500 for the month. So it just, we, you know, kept doing that. And it was, now our COVID discounts out. So we switched islands and now I'm on the big island. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin
0: have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level, and Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, CreateWaveforms.com. That is CreateWaveforms.com, and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you.
2: So we totally skipped over how we normally start these interviews, and we normally talk about the background of the guest. This is more fun, though. And well, now I now I can't wait to hear about your background. Like, what, what could have possibly happened to your childhood that would lead you to do things uh-huh. like that? So, looking back, what are the key milestones for you? Like, some people will start back as far as childhood and where they grew up, and talk about you know kind of what their their family dynamics were. Uh, what really sticks out to you, and what do you feel like reflects your story the most?
1: Yeah, I mean, as a child, I I feel like you know I, I was pretty blessed with, um, you know, I didn't have the classic like lemonade stand. I had like a hot dog stand with brats. So I was like, you know, above the lemonade, like that was, we also sold some lemonade, but I think what really prepared me was kind of like the disappointment of revenue <laughs> as a child. Uh, because I'd be like, mom, I made like 20 bucks and worked like the whole day. And she'd be like, well, yeah, I, you know, I gave you $8 in change. And then we had like $6 in uh, basically cost of goods. And then doing the math, I'm like, uh, so I only made $6. And then my parents would always make me put half of all of my money in the bank. So I had $6 and then I had to put three of that in the bank. And then I was like, I thought I had $20. Now I got to cut down <laughs> to $6 or $3. So I think like understanding the basics of that was important. And also, like I would say the basics of entrepreneurship... Was, was important. My dad, I would say like, my dad worked the shit out of me. Um, there's been like multiple times, I remember like falling asleep standing or um, he would do like general construction on the side and snow removal. So if you've ever done anything with snow removal, like as soon as the snow hits, you're like plowing snow until it's done. There's been multiple times I've been up for three days, just plowing snow. Two days is like guaranteed every snowstorm. I guess like working hard is like kind of normal for me. So when, when now, like for years I would, I would say um, I'm doing computer work. Like I'm not working, I'm doing computer work. Um, Cause I wouldn't like count that as real work. <laughs> but uh, so I, I think, you know, the work ethic was there. Honestly, the, the kind of the hard part for me now is really not working and like feeling okay about it. You know, all the work's done and I'm like done everything I can do. A lot of times I have the mindset of like, there's always something to do. So, you know, taking a break, taking it slow is, is a, has been a challenge for me, especially coming out here. So really like showing myself grace and like self-love has been, has been difficult that I've realized um, that I've been like skipping over. So um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Like jumping into that here in Hawaii. I would say like the, the core thing that, that I think is really got me into grip, mat is I'm starting to reflect on this a lot the past couple months and seeing more people ask me about this is the only difference that I have of most people is I just started. So the reason why I started was I had the idea for Gritmat and was literally going to wait till I retired from the Air Force to start it, wait till I was like 40 to 50 to start it. And because I felt like I, I didn't know enough, I didn't have enough money, I didn't, you know, I wasn't knowledgeable, I didn't know where to start. And what happened was I had a cousin that was six months older than me and uh second cousin and he he ended up passing away from cancer. And it was just like, you know, I might not ever retire. You know, I might not get a chance to, you know, this product may never ever see the light just because I'm afraid to start now. So that made me like really start right away. It kind of changed my perspective of fear. What's the fear around starting a company? Fear around starting a company is like, if you get extreme with it, like you'll go bankrupt, you'll be homeless. Which if you actually go talk to a homeless person, I've talked to thousands of homeless people. I've never heard someone say, I just swung for the fences for my dreams. And like, this is where I'm at now. Uh, Usually it's something like mental health or drug related. So yeah, I just, you know, seeing my cousin pass away made me start right away and um, just kept pushing for it. And then it actually started to work. So,
2: what about growing? Did you
1: grow up in Columbus, Ohio, or, or somewhere else? I actually grew up in Salina, Ohio. So, um, shout out to Jay Klaus. He's another fellow Salina, Ohioer uh, for those listening who know Jay. Um, if, if you're listening, you know Jay, DM him and tell him I gave him a shout out on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I went two hours over in Salina, and um, that was like, yeah. Really small town. Coming to Columbus was like a big deal. I actually went up to Toledo. I went to college in Toledo because mm-hmm. I didn't get accepted by Ohio state. <laughs> they don't take the average high school kids. And then I actually like, I love Columbus, but the real reason why I was there is because I was desperate and couch surfing. Cause I sold my house for grip mat. Mm-hmm. So I like, uh, I, uh, Louisa Lee. I, I asked her if I could crash on her couch, and as we're like going up to her apartment, she's like, "Yeah, we're looking for a subleaser for one of her roommates." And I was like, "I've been sleeping in my car for two months," so um, ended up in Columbus, and um, that's where in her attic is where we launched the Kickstarter, and that's that was like really the the start. That was a big a big event for Grit
0: So at that point, do you have a product already, or is it just a concept?
1: At that point. Um, yeah, we had, I guess we call it the grip mat 1.0. I had the first model and was like selling it at a few trade shows. And then at those trade shows, everyone was like, you need more sizes and told me all these updates for the grip mat. Then those updates is what we put on Kickstarter. It was like sub six figures of revenue by the time we got there. I think it was like, I think I literally had one trade show under my belt. How well did the Kickstarter do? On Kickstarter, we raised one hundred and thirteen thousand, I nice. think total it was like a hundred and like seventy if you count like Indiegogo and some other stuff. So that was like a big deal.
3: That reminds me of how you're talking about selling and not taking about cost. I've done a bunch of Kickstarter campaigns and Indiegogo and stuff like that, and people see that figure and they're like, oh wow, they're millionaires now. And you're <laughs> like, no, now you gotta make the product, you know. Uh, we worked on this thing called the coolest cooler, which at the time was the like the highest funded product. Oh, yeah. He made like 16 million dollars and didn't have enough money Actually, yeah. I don't know if I should talk about it. whatever he <laughs> he I think it was pretty widely known that it was really expensive to make the product mm-hmm. so they were like oh he's a millionaire 16 million dollars you're like no you got to fulfill all right uh, yeah, yeah, all you can just take the right. money <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you can that yeah. was one of the problems with the with those sites but that's cool to, yeah. to hear that that worked out for him
1: I would say well ju- judging off your story you probably know Chris Hawker
3: yeah yeah mm-hmm. really well
1: yeah he's he's a good dude but um he yeah I I'd, I'd say kickstarter's like one of the worst because you have more people taking a cut. And then because people are doing pre-orders, they expect some type of discount or like bonus. So your cost of goods compared, or basically your profit is a smaller percentage. (laughs) And you're like, and it's not, it's not like a a practiced thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you might look something over like right now. I know exactly how much it's going to cost to get more grip mats. But (laughs) the first time you're like, Oh, what are these random like import fees? We Uh, had
3: really good experience with, with uh, Indiegogo. They had, this is towards the beginning of it, but they had a, uh, they were a lot of help Kickstarter, nothing against it. They just, they just were like throw it up. If it does well, it does well. But Indiegogo was helpful with that, what to prepare for and how to launch and stuff like that. Um, We did, we did some trade shows with them and had a big, uh, it was a good, good experience. I definitely noticed a lot of people unfortunately take advantage of those sites and not delivering. And then it seemed as if that boom of, of relaunching products that was really helpful for a couple of years has trailed off. Have you guys used it recently or is that, was that like a one-time thing and then you moved
1: away? Um, and I mean, that was back in 2017. Yeah. I, in my mind, entertained the idea of like, Oh, this would be a good Kickstarter idea, but (laughs) that was that was rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I I can just take direct orders and not have to deal with Kickstarter um, for future ideas. But yeah, it would, I mean, that was like, you know, you got a month prep before a lot of time, a month during is like, you know, grind time, then, you know, hard month after. So I mean, I think I was averaging like over 14 hours a day, like counting weekends. And also like, my grandpa died like the first week so it was like i'm like all right i'm gonna take a half day off deal with this and then like come back but uh yeah Kickstarter's is a fist fight i mean there, there it's a good place to start but i don't know you can't just i, I don't know if either of you guys remember the potato salad guy yeah. um there's not there's not too many potato salad guys you know put potato salad on there and raise sixty four thousand dollars <laughs> not too many of those anymore
0: We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So what
2: did it look like from ideation to creation? Like, how how did you learn to source the product and and get all that going?
1: Yeah, I mean, the ideation, that was... um... The original idea is I was working on fighter jets, tired of my tools sliding off the aircraft. So I had the idea that this product would clip onto the jet because the jet doesn't have like a hood that you pop up and then you work underneath it. You take off the panels and then you, you work on the inside. So on an opening, I was going to have like something clip on and then have like a rubber tray, like a grip mat. You know, after just talking to a lot of mechanics, Like I remember sitting on top of a F-16 with electrical mechanic. And I was like, where would you want a grip mat here? He's like, it'd be cool if you just had one that was like, like a rectangle with a lip all the way around it. Because, because I only had like a lip on one side, because I knew it was going to like hang a certain way. And I was like, so you just want like a box without a lid. And he's like, yeah, just a box. It was funny because it took me like months to design the first one and create this prototype. And and I made that in my dad's barn, (laughs) just like with a table saw and a router. You know, at the time I was going to college at University of Toledo for, for mechanical engineering. So I, I knew how to like do CAD and stuff, specifically SOLIDWORKS. I actually got certified in SOLIDWORKS. And then like what every college student does is as soon as you leave the class, you forget everything that you learned. Mm-hmm. So I had to like retrain myself how to do SOLIDWORKS. But um, yeah, I mean, SOLIDWORKS, from what I do now, engineering is like... From like me getting a degree in engineering, SolidWorks is pretty beneficial. And then me just knowing numbers and like spreadsheets is so beneficial right now. Cause I could be driving and like talking to someone about some type of margin or some type of whatever. And they'll say they'll say, Yeah, I think it'll be about fifty percent. I'm like, no, do that math again because I think it's I think we're paying higher than that. And then it's just very useful to be good with numbers. That was way off your, your question, but <laughs> I think it works though. I think I think we,
0: we got what we wanted out of it. So, yeah. when do you decide, and why do you decide to go pursue more money with the Sharks on Shark Tank,
1: and why specifically them? So people get excited when I say this. So they reached out to me mm-hmm. to sign up. So thing is, when they reach out to you, it's not um, like I didn't have like an advantage. You just like they have like scouts to get people to sign up. So that was always kind of like. I know you have any, any random like product, especially like a physical product. Everyone's like, you got to go in Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they reached out and that was kind of like a, a goal of mine, a dream of mine. And uh, I remember talking to my buddy Jesse and I was like, I was like, you know, what if I just got like, gave him a percentage for free? Like that would go crazy on TV. Right. <laughs> and they just kind of like joke about Shark Tank and then it actually happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
2: And what what was the experience like when you got on there? I mean, like, did you did you have it all planned out the way that it actually ended up unfolding? Was anything uh, unique about it? And what was like life afterwards?
1: Yeah. So one thing is like what aired on TV. uh, Best way to find it is on uh, if you just like search specifically on Facebook, Tom Burden Shark Tank, or I think I think I got it in like a tree link on my Instagram or something. But um, yeah, it's actually like an hour and a half of filming. (laughs) It's funny because. I was honestly really nervous of how they were going to portray me. Obviously they like made it look really awesome because like veteran, the grit mask story is like the American wet dream. Like people, <laughs> they, they just like kind of teed it up perfectly. But the thing is I didn't know it was going to be like that. And, uh, cause there was a lot of like awkward parts in the, in the filming, like, like Richard Branson and I have the same birthday and I, I like said that on stage in like the worst time possible. Um, 'Cause he, he likes it got like kind of awkward silence and I was like, yeah, and we have the same birthday. <laughs> and then he was just like, okay. And then then I'm like, what did I say? I was like, I'm to go. And we're both left-handed. And then <laughs> I was like, all right, I need to cut it. I need to stop. <laughs> um
0: too much research but, on, on the uh the sharks there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it, it definitely gave a boost. There's there's a little bit different kind of boost than what people think like, uh, they just think, Oh, you're on shark tank. Now you'll get in Walmart. Like they've got a direct line. What what, what I'm kind of seeing is, uh, right now we're like really focused on direct to consumer and like a lot of shark tank companies like have the expectation of like, I'm on shark tank. I'm going to go directly to big box, which like big box, when you go to big box, the volume's great. Um, the problem is big box is not going to grow your brand. It's not Walmart's initiative or focus to market you. So the thing is right now where we're focused on our direct to consumer, any of our retailers or distributors with us focusing on our marketing, it's like really helping them. So pretty soon we're going to be focusing on getting more on on the brick and mortar. So yeah, it's a little bit different than what what people think and expect. I, I know like dozens of companies that have like been bitten really hard from not handling the, uh, big box properly. So, that's kind of like the aftermath. It's there's definitely a lot of hype around like oh Shark Tank even even still. I think my episode has like a little more extra hype than normal because um one it made me look like a like the fucking terminator and two um we got like a a triple deal. So, um that got people super hyped. We're like if you're the guy that gets completely roasted and, like, you know, Mr. <laughs> Wonderful says, like, you're dead to me or whatever, like, right. you're not like bragging about that. <laughs> you know, yeah. People are like, hey, let's get that one loser guy on our podcast. Yeah. That dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Yeah. It, having the trifecta definitely helped. But um, it's, it's definitely an intense experience. What, I, what I've realized is usually if there's like a big thing like that that I'm presenting at, within 24 to 48 hours before I'll be a complete, I'll completely vomit like a practice pitch and like be a complete, like disgusting mess of like crying and anxiety. And then, and then it'll just happen where it's like, I'll like start to practice and realize what I need to do. And then like just before I'll be like, all right, uh, let's go. I think one of my friends was calling it tiger Tom, where it's like, there's me like freaking out. And then it's just like, all right, let's, it's like game mode. I'm really jealous hearing
3: your story. We were reached out to as well and went through the process of, you know, we thought when they reached out, they're like, oh, we're going to be on Shark Tank. But then we had to do, you know, make the submission process and video and everything. And we were selected and we went all the way up to like the day of filming and we got cut the day of filming. So I have this like yeah. huge animosity towards them. They were amazing, like the people that we worked with and everything. But they just, they feel, I mean, you're very aware they film like entire you know, seasons in like two days. And, uh, we just happened to get bumped. We didn't have a good enough story. We were just like two white dudes doing a thing and, you know, (laughs) and we didn't have a thing. So we got cut. I remember, (laughs) I remember getting that call in that company, my buddy and I were like, okay, we're at this point, either we're going to get on here and do it or, uh, or we're going to call it quits. And that was like getting that call. We were both sitting in the gym. We're like, all right, I guess this is on its way out. So I'm glad to see that it worked out for some people. It, uh,
1: Did you fly out? No, we got cut like literally the night before. The day before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the stressful part is like, I know people who have filmed
3: and then got a cut. deal
1: and then did not air.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, their episodes
1: didn't air, but they got the deal.
3: <laughs> another yeah. clothing company yeah. made it on our season too. So we were real, real bitter when we saw that.
1: <laughs> but yeah. Anyways. So, I mean, that's like another huge like, anxiety mm-hmm. moment or like thing to freak out about because you're like, Just no one's safe. (laughs) Uh, They'll they'll like give you a a heads up like two weeks before. I think we got like three weeks before of like, Hey, you're going to air on this date. And then like, Good luck. <laughs> uh, that's it. And then uh, you're like All you right, said on let's... waivers so we'll see you then. Yeah. What is the uh, what what's the experience
3: afterwards? That's the thing I've been really curious about watching is obviously you sign with these people who have been very successful and have money and connections. How involved were they right away and uh, you know, was it what you expected? Was it more like what was that experience like?
1: Um it's definitely not what I expected. Um there's like there's definitely like pros and cons to it. There's some people that would be like, sharks are worthless. I got a deal. They don't do anything. And then there's some that like, they get dinner with the sharks or whatever. So honestly, there's, I'll tell you about a, an interesting like negative that I have of getting multiple sharks is that like, since I've got three sharks, there's one that will do more than the others. And then it discourages them to, to keep doing more because um, they expect the other ones to like, kind of jump up. So the thing is, if I just had that one shark, then, um, they would just keep going. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, you know, kind of a frustrating point, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's things that like, that's not sexy that that's not on TV that happens. Like for example, um, just through the sharks, we were able to get like half off Shopify plus, which saves us like, like 500 to thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, damn. you know, there's that's just helpful. a lot of cool like yeah, the thing is that they're like, yeah, and I can get you half off Shopify Plus. Like that's not gonna mm-hmm. happen. They're not gonna air that on Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's not uh, super <laughs> super sexy. Yeah,
1: they, they yeah, they're not gonna do a Shark Tank update of like me on my computer yeah. like on oh, Shopify. Dollars. Yeah. Look at our new check. Yeah. (laughs) Look at our checkout. It's way better (laughs) now. Yeah. They want, they want to see like your products stacked to the ceiling at home Depot. And you know, they want to talk about getting in target and everything. So yeah, it's like, I do kind of see in the shark tank community. It's kind of interesting. Watch uh, a watch in the shark tank community of like different levels of entrepreneurs. So the thing is, because you're on shark tank does not mean you're a good entrepreneur. There's a lot of shitty entrepreneurs that they specifically put on Shark Tank, and so now that I'm in too. like the Shark, yeah, yeah, yeah now that I'm in the Shark Tank community. You're just like, initially when you get thrown in here, they're like, "Oh wow, all these business people are like, no, that guy's a complete idiot." <laughs> <laughs> Love it, <laughs> you know? uh, that guy's like drowning in debt. No, she actually knows what she's doing. Uh, so, like, we have a private Facebook group of anyone that's been on the show, um, and then that's kind of like how we network. How a big lot. is that
3: because they're like 20 seasons in or something now. That's got to be a pretty pretty uh, large Yeah, network.
1: I think there's uh I think there's a season like 12 or something, but there there's like 5 or 600 people in there.
3: Is that a pretty valuable um reference or resource that sounds like that would be? potentially. I would
1: say that's one of the most valuable things other than like the actual airing and like the reruns. Yeah, I mean that's how you can really get, you know, a lot of resources. Cause sometimes you're like asking Lori for something and then you're like, I know you've given this to like 10 other companies. Mm -hmm. So one of the other companies can just like hook me up with it. Um, Do you
3: see spikes when those, when those reruns air of sales? I've always wondered about that too. I
1: typically see spikes of like Instagram followers and like random DMs. Um, (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) too. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some spike of sales. But yeah, it's, it's also, I, I would say like, there's not like an influx, like a hard influx of sales. I would say it just, it's just really good for marketing. Yeah. So it just kind of, it just kind of like, like anyone here, when was the last time you saw like a, a Coke bottle or Coca-Cola, the, like an ad for it? Like, I, oh. I don't know, but you're like, I know what Coke is. Mm-hmm. So it's just like another refresher.
3: Yeah. What's the Instagram so people can go, uh, creep you. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, to, IG stock me is at Tom two six burden. So heavy burden, B U R D E N. And, uh, at grit, Matt is our, is the other one. G R Y P M A T. Hopefully um, you
3: get some weird DMs from this too.
1: There you go. <laughs> 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 Probably going to be from Mike and Tim.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll
0: make sure to send you one. So what's in the cards for the future then?
3: And what does the
2: team
0: look like now? Oh yeah. Too? Yeah. I forgot about that. Like, what does the team look like now today compared to what it did? I mean, even, you know, in 2017.
1: Yeah. So Alex, Who's our videographer? We still live together. Alex is—he uh, was—he's actually on board for a week before I was like, "Hey, you want to go to Hawaii?" Uh, <laughs> and he did. It. And now, yeah, most of I our relationship do it, though, you know, on, on for a week, but like Hawaii, uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we got Alex, and then uh, Trent, who's actually back in Columbus. We're we're like full time. Together every day, and then we've got a lot of VAs. Um, we just started working with um, a new marketing firm that I'm like really pumped about because, like, what, what's what kind of like our bottleneck is that you know having Alex living with me is like we can get so much content, but what we need is like content content distribution of like someone managing email blasts, social media, you know, social ads, and then you know, all these different platforms. So it's pretty cool to, you know, now we're starting to really do ads in a lot of different places I never really thought of. So that's exciting.
0: Hey everybody, we're gonna take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. You know, it really couldn't be cooler to have a sponsor and a partner like One Columbus. They are directly in alignment with everything we stand for and everything we're looking to promote here at Conquering Columbus. I mean, they just want to bring the most competitive companies to the area and make everything about the city and the region just one of the greatest places to live in the United States and in the world for that matter.
3: Yeah, they're like the ultimate Columbus hype man. They're trying to bring new businesses here, show them what our strengths are, but also address some of the weaknesses and say, like this is how we could get better. So for us, we're excited to help promote their goal and help tell the story with them on board.
0: Absolutely. And if you guys want to learn more about One Columbus, check them out at columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com.
2: What is the end goal like? I mean, for do you guys want to eventually make an exit and sell? Do you want to turn GripMat into a brand and roll out more products?
1: Yeah, I mean, a little bit of both and I mean, I do want to end up selling. I guess like what's been the hardest for me this past year is like really getting connected with like my why or like making GripMat into like like a mission based. So the thing is like I'm a mechanic. I know how mechanics operate. You know, a lot of mechanics are blue collar, middle class. And, you know, I think it's great to help the middle class, but at the same time, deep down, a lot of mechanics are, they can be pretty dirt baggy. And uh, so the thing is, if you give a dirt bag and like save them a hundred dollars a week or a month, most of that's going to go to the bar, which is like, or wherever. It's not like going to help cure cancer. It's not going to like save orphans in Africa or something. So after here, we're, we're here in Hawaii, we're going to be going to Brazil and helping my friend Diogo. So what Diogo does is, well, let me rewind. I went to Brazil a couple years ago. I was dating this girl um, who, was, who went back for her master's in Ohio State. She's Brazilian. And we go to Brazil to visit her family. And I said, I was like, babe, I want to go to the slums, the favelas. And she's like, no, I'm not going to go. It's dangerous. I was like, if you don't take me, I'm just going to Uber there. And she's like, you can't Uber there. It's not like Google Maps is like developed in the slums. That's another thing. So I kept begging her. And she's like, if you go, you got to know someone who lives there. And she goes, my friend, her husband is from there. He can, he can give you a tour. So that was Diogo. So she, she takes her phone and has a picture of Diogo, just holds it up to me and says, this is Diogo. I'm going to get you an Uber and it's going to drop you off next to a restaurant. Find Diogo and he's going to take you to the slums. That <laughs> so is the start of
2: took- every horror story.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: So I've seen I that movie probably I, 20 times.
1: doesn't yeah, end well. I took a picture of her phone. Like yeah. I didn't, <laughs> she didn't even like text it to me. I just took a picture of her phone. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm standing out in front of this restaurant. It's like on the edge of the slum and Diogo, like, well, a guy comes up to me and he goes, Tim? I'm like, Diego, and he's like Diogo. And I was like, it's close enough. <laughs> and so, like I haven't met any Brazilian guys named Tim or Tom, so like maybe he's, he when, I, is, when I tell
0: that when I tell that story, I would say I purposely called him Diego to test him to see if he really was <laughs> Diego. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I was that smart. <laughs> right. I had this idea. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. My name is Tim, and when you text Tim, it autocorrects to Tom. So my family calls me Tom. That's like a that's mm-hmm. a real thing. I'm Tom Tom Trad to all my family because iPhone <laughs> prefers Toms to So congratulations, you won on that one. Not in Brazil, though. It <laughs> yeah. seems. It seems <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you'll
1: do great. You'll thrive in Brazil. I'm a, I'm gonna hop uh, on a plane after this. Go find Diogo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we. Uh, he throws me a hoodie and he goes. He's like, put this on. We're gonna go train these kids self. These kids self defense. Diogo's a black belt. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes. Of course. We're. We're gonna go down an alley and um, there most likely will be a cartel there. If they are there, there most likely will be drugs and guns there. Do not look at them, keep your hood up and just stay next to me. So, all right, we're walking and we turn a couple like alleys and then there's like this picnic table with like stacks of like cocaine and bags and like guns everywhere. And I'm like, holy shit. And then... Yeah, Tom's like, hey, can you teach me self-defense
2: first before
1: we go <laughs> yeah. <to write> <laughs> <schedule?"> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we go up the the stairs and um, basically in the slums, the higher up you are, the more poor you are because there's not like roads to go up there. So he's training him at the like, very top, like the steepest, tallest, sketchiest set of stairs in the rain that I've ever seen. And so we get there, he's teaching the kids, and I'm like, afterwards he, he's <laughs> afterwards they train with the adults and there's like all these black belts and they, they're like, yeah, let's grapple. Like they wanted to grapple with me and they're just like just beating the shit out of me. <laughs> but, uh, afterwards I was like, I was like, Dio, Dio, or, uh, not, I <laughs> Diogo, Diogo, <laughs> what's, uh, what, uh, I was like, what do you need for these kids? You know? And he's like, he's like, uh, honestly just jerseys. Cause like most of the kids didn't really have clothes to wear. So Diogo was like paying Like way too high for a jersey because he's buying one at a time, and I was like, "Well, if we could, we could buy these in bulk. Like, we could really get the price down." So one of our dollars was like three point five of theirs, and like I think I was getting jerseys for like seven bucks a piece, which he was paying like twenty five, which is like a hundred dollars of his of his money. So fast forward to to COVID. COVID hits. Um, He's a waiter. The thing is, all these black belts are like random jobs, like waiter, taxi driver. shoe salesman, whatever. So
0: don't get into a fight in Brazil. Is what you're telling yeah, me.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, just don't chop you and you'll be down. Um, so so he's out of the job. And I was like, I was like, if I pay you, can you just focus on the kids full time? And um, he's like, yeah. And I, I go... Do you hear that in the background? <laughs> yeah, I heard a rooster. <laughs> was is there a rooster intake? in the background? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. that's the thing in Hawaii. Like, <laughs> all the way there's roosters. So <laughs> I was like, Diogo, like, how much money do you, do you need? And uh, he tells me how much it is in his money. And then since then, like with all the stimulus check and like inflation stuff, Brazil has been inflating a lot faster than the USD. So like one of our dollars is like six of theirs. So for like $285 a month, he could work full time with the kids. So now I I basically give him like $400 a month to um, basically pay for things for the kids and like focus on the full time. So Josh, why I'm like telling you all this and why I told you about the blue collar thing was, I guess like I would have leveraged Gritmat into helping uh, Diogo. So I guess like what I was saying before of like the mission of like helping blue collar, like I want to use my mission to support my mission. So if I can like influence and support like blue collar middle class to think with a bigger picture and like how to really impact people globally, that's that's kind of like what I want to end up doing. So that gets me really excited. I was honestly struggling a lot with like the concept of selling more rubber trays. So um it just was like not really, you know, getting me out of bed in the morning. So now what I know is with like the gritmat demographic is they like they're very obvious, obvious liking certain things. They like they like fire and explosions and they like seeing people get punched in the face. So what I want to like make is basically um, with Diogo, like the UFC of Brazil, and um, you know, we can use that content to send out to our email blasts, or SMS, and our socials. Because I've been watching the way like Red Bull does everything; like it's an energy drink, and then they have like people doing backflips off of dirt bikes, like racing F one. Drink the drink. Yeah, they have an F one right. car. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
3: four of them. Four. Of them. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Right. And They win a lot. Too. I've been I've been watching the docu series. I'm a I'm a professional. Yeah. Analyst on F1 now. <laughs> yeah.
0: You've watched one documentary and now <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, I know everything there is to know. Uh, obviously, <laughs> yeah. just like every
2: other human on the planet. Yep. <laughs> Tying that mission to the brand is what it sounds like that you're that you're describing.
1: Yeah. And then also like for my birthday, I did a GoFundMe for Diogo. And, you know, I was trying to raise like, I was like, we could raise like hundred grand. I'm like, Diogo needs like three to five grand. Like it, it doesn't have to be crazy. So I raised money for him. And then after that, he told me, he was like, The whole reason why Diogo is training these kids is to pull them away from working for the cartel because the cartel gets them to run drugs for them. Mm -hmm. So when Diogo was two years old, his dad was a police officer. and His dad was shot and killed by a nine-year-old that was running drugs for the cartel. So the concept of like getting these kids support to like in a better influence like Diogo is like super important like generationally to these favelas in Rio, Brazil. So yeah, that's why I'm like, pretty excited about it. And it's funny cause like someone, someone said, I think I don't care remember where I was talking about Diogo, but they're like, wow, you're so like brave to ask people for money or raise money. And I'm like, Diogo's the ones in right. the slums. Yeah. <laughs> like I can, I can ask other rich white people for money. <laughs> like, Diogo's be like, yeah, there was a lot of shootings today. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> uh, like we'll take a day off or something. Uh, so, take a
0: day off. Yeah, take you know. a day off. Just you know, go somewhere else for a little while.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh so it's got me pretty energized. You know, when you ask like what's the next step for Grip we're we're like wanting to build it, build out more of like a brand, more products. And then also, um, you know, I, I am interested in selling and like positioning the, the company to to sell, which is like the thing is when with selling a company, like it's three to six months of like prep time. So you know there's days i'm like i want to sell tomorrow then there's other days like no i want to ride this out so regardless like me maximizing the company and like doing a bunch of really cool marketing stuff that we're about to do and you know it's it's um, beneficial no matter what if i want to keep or sell so
0: hey everybody we're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors Hybeck. It's actually just me and Tim in the booth because, well, Josh is on his way over to the restaurant right now. So, unluckily for us, we don't get any special treatment. I don't think he's bringing us back a pizza I don't or anything. think
3: so. I'm a little jealous. We love High Bank. I mean, I go
0: there all the yep. time. Their hot honey pizza they got going right now. Yep. That's Man, what I was going to say. Is, as soon
3: oh, as we had him on the episode, I called in before they even left and ordered it and picked it up on the way out. And it was the best
0: we're talking about the restaurant, but High Bank's a lot more than just a restaurant. They distill whiskey and gin and vodka. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, they brought in a couple of different options for us to try recently, and I really like this Midnight Cask. It's a mixture, I think, of whiskey along with a port wine, and it kind of tastes like a Manhattan, but it's like double the strength. If you haven't listened to the episode yet, listen to the episode. I mean, the story behind the organization is great too. So
3: yeah, it's a bunch of local entrepreneurs that just have a passion for making good food and great drinks. They just launched a thing called the whiskey society too, which mm-hmm. I joined. And if you really like booze, it's worth checking out. It pays for itself just in the entry fee. And then you'll get cards for drinks every month. They put on events right now they're on zoom, but teach you how to make drinks, tell you what to use, why you use those things. It's definitely for the whiskey enthusiast. I've enjoyed my membership so far. That's for sure.
0: So if you guys like hi manka if you're looking for a restaurant, Somewhere to watch the game. If you're looking to put in an order for a pickup, check out High Bank, man. Their food's great. They're great people. Yeah. And we love their drinks. And get the hot honey pizza. Get the hot honey pizza. I All promise right. you will love it. All right. Now back to the show. Tom, I think that's a good place to kind of pivot towards our last question of the show here. And uh, it's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase, well, what do you think of when you hear it? Uh, How does it apply to your life and career?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say the most impactful, beneficial times of my life was, was when I was uncomfortable. I was so afraid to like come to Hawaii. You know, I was so afraid to start Grip Mat. And um, yeah, I mean, that was the most uncomfortable thing for me. And I guess what I was saying before, like what I've been watching with people is like, you know, they, they want to do a thing and then they like analyze the shit out of it. And they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've got a friend that was like, I really want to go to Hawaii, but I don't know which island's the best island. And he's like, I've been doing research, been talking to people. What do you think? I'm like, You're not you'll never know what island's the best island until you go to every single island. You won't you won't know until you do that. But they're so afraid to take that next step. So any advice to to someone else is pick a place and move, move there seven hours later. So right.
0: right. Try it Parker out. Columbus does not endorse this advice.
1: <laughs> Hawaii, Hawaii's
3: population. Yeah, I do 100%. <laughs>
2: Hawaii's population is going up 10% after this episode. Yeah. And
0: just so you guys know, just so everybody knows Hawaii has one of the largest homeless populations because people do that without the right amount of funding. <laughs> so make sure if you're going to go, make sure you got a little sleep bit of on savings. The beach Yeah. Sleep on the beach. That's yeah. right.
1: If you go get a tent and sleep on. The-
0: <laughs> there you go. Right. Um, but no, Tom. It's been great talking to you. We've had a great time. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to tell your story and talk about grit Matt here on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited when the time's right to to get back to uh, post COVID, get back no to curfew. Ohio, and- we we can go wherever we want now. <laughs> oh, you don't? Yeah, we get to oh, go shit. out at night, and you know, oh, yeah. dang. All right, so All just right, I'm saying. coming back to. I'll be there in seven you hours. You
0: missed the winter. You missed the snow. So yeah, we had our. We've even had. You know, we've gotten past the point of. The, the false second winter where we get, you know, spring. And oh, then yeah, 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 So second winter has happened. So you're pretty there's much There's a
1: day good. where there's like way too many people wearing shorts. And yeah. Then, mm. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was like two yeah. weeks ago. It
2: snowed on us. So We're, we're two roosters <laughs> and 20 degrees away from our own little Hawaii. Right. Here, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, pretty far. Go. So, all right, Tom. Well, hey, thanks again. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. If you want to hear more, just like it. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get interviews like this in your ears every week. We appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week.